Who said that children can't change the world? This is Teenage Tech Stories, the podcast where today's teens talk about their incredible technological achievements, from developing groundbreaking algorithms to innovating in healthcare or even leading their own nonprofit organizations. These young entrepreneurs are proof that it's never too early to start making the world a better place. Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of Teenage Tech Stories. My name is Beatriz Valero and today's guest is Bianca Lewis, who goes by BSI Lab. BSI Lab is a 14-year-old hacker and maker. She was one of the first to hack the mock election reporting system set up by Voting Village. Bia is also the founder of Girls Who Hack and Secure Open Vote, a complete end-to-end election system. Hi, Bianca. Hi. Do you like to be called Bianca, Bia, or Bia Silab? For this interview, you can call me Bia Silab. Okay, so to begin, why don't you just take a second, kind of introduce yourself? Hi, I am Bianca Lewis, and my hacker name is Bia Silab. I am a 14-year-old girl who's really interested in anything in the tech field. I have my own company, Girls Who Hack. Our motto is teaching girls the skills of hacking so that they can change the future. I provide online and physical classes to any girl who wants to start her journey in cybersecurity. I also am creating my own end-to-end election system called Secure Open Vote. That's amazing. And we're going to talk about all the things you do, but it's really incredible that you can do so much and like only 14. When did you first get interested into kind of technology and cybersecurity? When I was in kindergarten or first grade, somewhere around that age, my dad introduced me to the programming language Scratch, which is a block-based programming language. Then after being interested in that, he decided to take me to my first hacker conference, B-Sides. And just seeing the environment, meeting the people, trying out some CTFs and challenges inspired me to, hey, I've seen some really cool people do presentations at these conferences. I want to do one too. And that jump-started everything that I'm doing today. That's really cool. And then your first hacking projects were related to plants. Can you tell me a bit about kind of those first you did and maybe the water bog? When I was in fifth or sixth grade, my school held its science fair. And I didn't want to do the floating egg or the baking soda volcano like every other kid there. So I'm like, what's a cool project I could do? At Hope, I'm pretty sure it was Hope, I met a biohacker, so a biologist hacker, who I talked with and I'm like, hey, I need a really cool idea for my science fair project. He informed me that there is this plant called Oxalis stricta that has very little research on it at all, pretty much. And I wanted to research the plant and learn more about it. When I was researching the plant um, using the MS Media modulation, which is a group of five or more chemicals, um, to see how well the plant would grow in a varied amount of it, um, I created my water box. Why I did that? When I, I had a bunch of little pots and a bunch of little plants. In each row, I had like five plants and I gave a certain amount of this MS Media to each plant. I used a little funnel to pour in this chemicals and I kept spilling all the time and I added a little too much or a little too little and as you know science has to be as precise as possible so I'm like what's a way I can do this 
without spilling. That's when I made my water bot, which uses a peristaltic pump, the same one used in a blood machine when they pump blood to your heart during heart surgery. I used a mini peristaltic pump to be able to pump a certain amount of liquid to any plant that also prints out a label once it finishes. Wow, that's really cool. Obviously, I also want to talk about DEFCON 26, where you spoke about this water board that you were doing, but you also kind of started to get more national attention because when you hacked the voting reported system. So can you tell me a bit about like the conference and everything that went on there and you know, how was the experience? DEFCON 26 was amazing. It was my second DEFCON and I loved the first one. And at the second one, I'm like, hey, I want to do some talks and I want to do some things. So I entered in my my waterbot talk, which I got to do in the biohacking village at DEF CON, which was an amazing experience, of course. Pretty sure it was my first talk at DEF CON as well. Then at uh, the Roots Asylum, which is the kids' asylum at DEF CON, they held a mock election reporting system that us kids got to try and attack. Us kids were able to change the vote count in under 10 minutes which is pretty scary given that this is an almost an exact rep a reporting system used by many different states. So a few places interviewed all the kids and Congresswoman Mickey Sherrill of New Jersey saw me in one of these things and invited me to go to a congressional hearing on election security. The congressional hearing was eye-opening to say the least. I got to see all the congressmen and women's opinions on anything election security related. Just seeing how flawed our election system is after doing even more research, I was inspired to create my own end-to-end -end election system. Like I said, secure open vote. I made the reporting system first for my election system, and I brought it into the next DEFCON, which is DEFCON 27 after that. And I put it out there and I'm like, hey, all you hackers, try to hack this. If you can hack it and change the vote count, you get a prize. And we have logs that hackers did try and attack it and change the vote count, but no one was able to successfully, which was pretty interesting. Now I am currently working on the registration system with my team and I'm hoping to have it done by next DEF CON. That's so exciting and this, I was just really shocked when I heard your story because I was like are really like election systems that easy to hack? So you could tell me a bit about why, like what are some of the vulnerabilities that the current systems being used and kind of why was yours better? One of the biggest problems and misconceptions in this day and age is that the more tech, the better. But tech is very vulnerable. And so all these big companies like Diebold, which is an election system company, um, wants to make their whole entire system all electronic. So electronic voting, electronic everything, every single step of the process. The one problem with this is that technology gets hacked and can get hacked. That's why if you're creating an election system like mine, you have to create it using as much paper as you can. So having like risk limiting audits on paper trails is very important. So even if you do want to vote electronically, having that paper trail there changes everything because you can't hack paper. It's impossible. You may be able to hack the machines and change the vote count there. But as long as we can count the papers with a risk limiting audit, we can see truly who won.
Find us at Tech for Good on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at techforgood underscore. That's so interesting because, yeah, it like feels a bit counterintuitive, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's like last week. And how did it feel to be able to hack the election system or like attend that uh, meeting at the Congress and like realize that you were able to understand what people in Congress were talking about and what they were doing wrong? At DEF CON 26, when I hacked the election reporting system, I had no prior experience really in this hacking field in general. I didn't even really know how to program at that time. I knew pretty much nothing had a baseline knowledge. These people hosting it gave us each a paper packet that explains what the attack we're using is and how to do it. And I read through it and I'm like, that's it? <laughs> and then I did it. After reading it, I did it in like five minutes, five minutes to read and then five minutes to do it. And I was able to change the vote count. And at the time I was 11 and all the other kids that are at the table with me are through the age of like seven to 13, 14. So just thinking that a seven-year-old can change the vote count on an election reporting system is very scary, especially since it's almost an exact replica of the ones being used in many states, including like Florida. Yeah, it must be, especially with, yeah, all the conversations that have happened the past few years about making uh, the elections fair and making sure they're not meddled with or anything like that. So that's really shocking. And obviously we've talked about your secure open vote system, but I also want to hear about your Girls Who Hack company. Kind of what, tell me about what inspired you to create this and what you do. When I first started in the hacking field in general, um, I noticed there are a lot of women in tech, still not as many as men, so we really need to fix that yeah. but there's not a lot of girls really interested in it yet you know so I wanted um, I was talking with a lot of my friends and this one friend in particular Angel said she went to a few different classes before like programming classes and hacking classes and she's usually one of the only females in the room and she said that that's very intimidating that kind of puts pressure on her and she feels out of place thankfully she's still going at it and she's still learning all these things but i can imagine that a lot of girls would just quit and be like maybe this really isn't for me because they don't really have that support system. So I created Girls Who Hack. Like I said, our motto is teaching girls the skills of hacking so that they can change the future. I provide online and physical classes to any girl who wants to start her journey in cybersecurity, providing a safer space for girls to talk to together and learn together and not feel as intimidated or scared or nervous to start. And I make sure that all of my online and physical classes are at a baseline knowledge. As long as you can use a computer, you can take the class. Um, most classes I've been to, even online classes, which there's so many good free online classes, but the ones that say they are baseline knowledge and super easy just for beginners, they still cause you to Google 5 million things and are still too technical even at a beginner knowledge, which is also very discouraging to the girls. That's why my classes are actually for beginners. I make sure that I thoroughly explain any important technical concepts. I add good examples just so that they leave there like, wow, I actually understood this. It's not confusing. 
Yeah, that's great, because I feel like even in movies and TV shows, hackers are always portrayed like this very like antisocial people who are very nerdy, don't have any friends. And it's great that you're breaking those stereotypes and encouraging girls to learn about it and pursue their interests. So in addition to all of this, you also do a lot of webinars and talks, and you were in fact the youngest ever speaker at a HOPE conference. How does that feel? Was that intimidating? And kind of what was the message that you wanted to spread? My first talk I did when I was pretty sure nine or 10 at Besides Delaware. And I did it on cryptography because I was really interested in puzzles and such at the time. And I'm like, I have all this knowledge. I might as well share it. I've seen other people do talks. Why can't I do it? So I did it and it went really well. I've always been fond of teaching people. So getting to just help people was my main focus for giving talk. And anything that I learn in this tech field, I do a presentation on. So any presentation you've seen me do or any topic you've seen me cover is my knowledge in said topic. Anything I learn, I want to share what I've learned in an easy way to understand. Um, giving talks comes pretty naturally for me, I'd say. Of course, I get nervous before I talk, but not like nervous to speak, but more nervous I'm going to say something incorrectly and give people wrong information. I'm not a super technical person, and I don't see myself as ever being so, but I see one of my skills and one of the things I can use to better help the human race is I can explain super technical concepts to non-technical people, which is super important. I'm like that sort of midway between all of the hackers and programmers and all the everyday day-to-day people and like older people or younger people who don't really know anything about tech. That's great. And I was wondering, is there like any myth, like something people think of about cybersecurity that you wish to present? One of the greatest misconceptions, you kind of covered this earlier, movies and pop culture portrays a hacker as someone in a black hoodie in front of a screen with, in a basement, dark, with green numbers running down the screen, you know, like typing away with an anonymous mask. But if you've gone to any hacker conference, you know it's not really like that at all. Another misconception is that all hackers are bad, but that is not true at all. You need hackers in cybersecurity to be able to secure things. For example, there is this one job that you can have, which is a penetration tester. They are hired by a company to go and hack that company. So a company hires them to hack the company and see what parts are the most vulnerable. Are there any vulnerabilities in their system? And if so, they write it down. They tell them how they hacked it and how they can secure it. And the company can take this information and be like, okay, I'm going to go fix all of this. So it's a hacker doing good. Of course, there are bad hackers too. There's so many of them, but everybody just needs to understand that there are good hackers too. And they are also the reason why we have security at all. Okay, for you, for the future, do you have any plans or projects that you're working on or any vision of where would you like to be? Do you want to be one of these good hackers or do you want to do something completely different? Kids always get asked that classic question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer is, I don't really know yet. Definitely something in the tech-related field. 
Again, I want to use my gift of explaining technical concepts to non-technical people. So maybe I can continue speaking. Or if Girls Who Hack really starts off, I can continue working on that. Or if Secure Open Vote really takes off, I can focus on that. Any of my projects that are really going to blow up and get a lot of traction, I definitely want to focus on those and make those better. That's kind of my future plan for the given time. Yeah, that's good. You have a lot of time. And Okay. I don't know if there's anything that you feel like we missed or that you want to say. Yeah, I'd like to give everyone just a tip that's very important. I just want to talk about two more things, like just how people can better secure their systems easily. A lot of people think that, oh, to make my things secure, I need to buy all of these security add-ons and they're all just so confusing to use. But two very important and very easy ways to keep your things secure is by having secure passwords and updating frequently. You got to update frequently because because all the developers find bugs in the system and vulnerabilities and they update it. So you need to update with them so that all those bugs and vulnerabilities are gone. So update your system at least once a month. And if you get one of those pop-ups on your screen, like system ready to update and you always click, nope, update it, just update it. You have to. As for passwords, a common misconception is like a short password with like a bunch of different characters and uppercase, lowercase and weirdness is the most secure. But that's not true. The most secure password is a longer password that can be of different words separated by characters or punctuation. For example, my dot little dot pony, but the O in pony is a zero, is a very secure password. And something you can remember easily without having to necessarily write it down, which you should still write down your passwords because humans forget things. But long passwords, that are phrases separated by characters or punctuation is the best way to go. Thank you for those tips. Those are really interesting, uh, really great to learn, and I'm sure it'll be really useful for everyone. Well, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. It's been great to have you. It's been great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Teenage Tech Stories. Like, review, subscribe, or visit us at techforgood.net to read more about today's guest and other incredible people who are using technology to make the world a better place.